Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Well, Matt Hobbs is preparing to jump on a plane and uh, travel with Arkansas down to Gainesville, so we, uh, we're going to try to get him to stop over, but the time uh, did not allow for that to happen, but we do appreciate him carving out a few minutes to chat with us today before they head out to take on Florida. Coach, it's good to have you back with us. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Coach, our question of the day today is, what is the greatest baseball achievement you've ever seen with your own two eyes? And you guys had a young man last night that may have uh, rewritten the book for most of us. I know it's the most impressive thing I've ever seen. That was quite something. Yeah, by far the most. Me and Coach Van Horn and the rest of the staff were talking about it after the game. And, you know, he's been coaching for an awfully long time. And a lot of us have a lot of experience, too. And none of us have ever seen anything like that in person. So I would say that Dylan Leach is the most impressive offensive day I've ever seen. The only other thing I can ever remember reading about the comparison, you remember they used to do the faces in the crowd deal or whatever it was, the feature yeah. of athletes yeah. in Sports Illustrated, back when people read that? Um, there was a young man, he was like a 14-year-old, and he, he threw a no-hitter and hit four home runs in the same game. So that's the only thing I can think <laughs> of that's even in the ballpark. <laughs> I don't know. That was pretty amazing last night. We're talking about Division One baseball, and, and to have that happen, yeah, it was just uh, it was crazy. So um, we need to talk pitching staff, too. And, and, again, I mean, look, UCA's got a, a pretty potent offense. They've had a lot of success in the A-Sun. Uh, your starter last night, kind of a, a tough night. What's the? And he had just come off a, a good performance in his previous outing. When you're dealing with a young pitcher like that, how do you how do you go about that? Obviously, you know you're you're learning very quickly how to deal with success and then you know some challenges. Yeah, I think that with Miller last night, it was more just we thought he could get us off to a good start and throw strikes. Um, you know that was that had been a little bit of an issue the, the previous week with just throwing it over the plate uh, with one of our other guys. And you know, give them credit; they hit it. You know, he threw it over the plate; they hit it. And we didn't. We, you know, we couldn't seem to stop the freight train of their offense in that first inning. And, uh, you know, we, we were able to quiet it down a little bit there uh, with some of our other guys. But in midweek games, you know, from time to time, you're going to pitch some guys that need some experience or need some work or that you're trying to get going. So you might have some uneven results. And what we've been able to do, you know, frankly, in the last couple of weeks is lean on our offense in those games to pick us up. And they've done just a great job. So that helps. Uh, helps us be able to get some different guys into the game. That hopefully, you know, an audition for some of those guys to be able to join the uh, the group that pitches on the weekend. So Domiak uh, didn't get the start, but he came in in relief and pitched an inning. Uh, he faced three batters and struck out three batters. So I don't know if you sent him mm-hmm. a message or you know what did you see different in him? Uh, aggressive. He was just way more aggressive. And I, I told Mark right after he came out of the the game was if you would have thrown any of the pitches you just threw against Little Rock, you'd have probably thrown five innings in that game. So it's just a matter of a guy like Mark is, I think he, he's going to ride the wave of confidence. And until he can get to a point where he feels like every time he goes out, he's going to be good, no matter the circumstances, starting, relieving, coming in a big spot, clean inning, whatever, he'll be a little uneven. But I think I think yesterday was a, a big step for him because, you know, quite frankly, like, he should be a guy that, that starts for us in the midweek or is a leverage arm in the weekend if you just look at the stuff. I mean, he's throwing his slider 91 miles an hour last night. And his fastball, I think, up to 97, 98. So he's got plenty of stuff. It's just a matter of getting him to be able to compete in the zone with it. So he's growing and he's getting better. And, you know, he's still a young pitcher for as much as we, you know, he's been with us for a couple of years, but he's still a pretty inexperienced guy. We just hope that, you know, yesterday he can springboard himself forward to be able to help us on the weekend. 
Coach, I've also heard about Nick Griffin and heard a lot of good things about him, and he came in last night and gave you a really good inning. He was still, I think the radar mm-hmm. or the scoreboard said 97 one time. I was impressed yep. with him. What, what what can you see out of Nick in the future? He's the missing piece, man. The missing piece in the bullpen. He gives us a left-handed option that can strike you out and can be tough on lefties and can be tough on righties, too, frankly. He's kind of the guy that we've been trying to get going all year. And, you know, he has, he's, he's been uneven. But he's, he'll show you flashes like he showed you last night where, you know, 93 to 97 with a really good breaking ball. And he's left-handed, and it's tough to hit off of him. He's a little bit, he's got some deception in his delivery, and he comes from like, a, he pitches with some pretty extreme angle. So if we can get him going and we can really get him on track, you know, hopefully he gets out there against Florida and does the same thing he did against uh, uh, the Bears last night. So he's a, he's a, I feel like he is the net, he's the, he's the guy we got to have. So we got to keep on giving him opportunities, and he's got to keep on pitching well. Razorback baseball pitching coach Matt Hobbs joining us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline, headed to Florida today for a three-game set, which starts tomorrow. Um, we have been uh, fortunate to have Connor Nolan on each week. He's been uh, joining us to talk about uh, the season and his year, and, and he has had, obviously, a very interesting career with his start doing both sports with football and baseball and working through some different things over the years, and he has gotten off to a nice start this year. How would you sort of uh, kind of encapsulate his career so far and then also the growth that's gotten to this point where he's your Friday starter or Thursday starter in this case? Yeah, I think Yeah, I think just the way that you did, but there has been some ups and downs and some highs and lows. I mean, you're talking about a guy that pitched in Omaha as a freshman uh, as a starter, and I think one of the got to be the only guy in the country that year that started a, a football game and a baseball game in the same season. And, you know, an incredibly talented kid that has had some uneven results, especially last season. He just couldn't seem to get it on track, whether it was struggling early and then getting, you know, getting nicked up a little bit and missing about five or six weeks and then trying to come back and probably coming back a little too quick um, and just never being able to really get it, get his feet underneath him. If you look back to the COVID year in 2020, he was on his way to being a pretty good guy for us then and be a Friday. He was our Friday guy going into that season and pitched, uh, pitched well in his first three starts or I guess first would have been four. And this year he's really just – he took the summer and really got himself in shape. You know, he didn't go out and play. He got he stayed in Fayetteville. He got himself in unbelievable shape and prepared himself to be able to handle this workload. So I'm incredibly – I'm proud of Connor. He's, he's done a great job. And it being such a long path to get, them where, to get to where he is, I think most people would have wanted that to happen his sophomore year, us included. Uh, but – our timetable sometimes isn't the kids' timetable, and he's he's certainly making up for lost time right now. He's been he's been awesome on Fridays. Well, your starting pitching has been awesome on the weekends. Uh, we, I think a lot of people came into the season thinking the offense was going to be really, really, really good, score a lot of runs, and they may have to uh, because there were some questions with the pitching and the starting rotation. I, I think coach has has been the. Uh, kind of the bright spot for me in SEC play. You're getting quality start after quality start. Well, has it every SEC game? Have you had a quality start from one of your three guys? I mean, to me, they have been the biggest bright spot of the SEC play. When did you see this all co- kind of coming together? I think we always saw the talent with the uh, Connor. We thought was going to be really good just because he's consistent. He throws it over the plate. He's got two different breaking balls. We were pretty excited about what he was going to be. I didn't know which day he was going to throw on. And then the other two with Hagen and Jax, you watch those guys in the fall, and it's like, you know, Hagen's low slot left-handed 92 to 96 with a you know good enough breaking ball and a good changeup. 
and Jackson's up to 99, 100 in the fall. And so you get excited about those things, and then you're just kind of waiting for the consistency to show up. And when Hagen came back, he was really good right away. Uh, first outings that he came back in January, February is really good. And Jackson was uneven. It was like, you know, you're is up and down and up and down. And then, you know, all of a sudden the game, the season starts. He goes, I think five in his first outing, maybe six in that first weekend, and then he just takes off. It's just one of those kids that, you know, he just needs to pitch a lot, and he didn't get to do that last year. And some of that, you know, unfortunately for Jackson was because Kevin was so good that he took a lot of those innings, so Jackson just didn't get as much developmental time as a freshman as we may have liked. But I think that we saw this from all three of them really in week two where, you you know, they go on the road and, and Hagen struggles, but the other two guys really pick him up. And then the following weekend, you just start to see a lot of really consistent outings from those guys. And I, and I think only like two of the starts for all three of them have gone under five innings. Coach, I, I watch a lot during the uh, weekends, and they keep talking about Brady Tigert being a uh, starter mm. one day for the University of Ar- Is that the case? Do you see him as a starter one day, the way he pitches? Oh, yeah, definitely. So Brady's really only getting to two of his pitches right now because of the role he's pitching in. And it's, you know, a really good curveball, and his fastball has is explosive. He's added a slider recently in the last week, really, a week and a half. He learned actually learned it from Cole Ramage, which is kind of exciting when your guys teach each other stuff. And that's become a really good pitch. He actually, two of his strikeouts last week were with the slider. So he's starting to be able to sprinkle that pitch in. He's got a really good changeup and a sinker, too. So he's like a four-pitch mixed guy, but he really only gets to a couple of them in his role. So I think that, you know, Brady is 100% going to be a starter in this program someday i don't know when that time is or at least be built up to have an opportunity to win one of those jobs but you could certainly see him as one and i, I think that people get excited about him as a closer and certainly we are too mm-hmm. but the future for that kid is probably going seven eight innings talking to matt hobbs if you're just tuning in on the brand of moving in storage hotline hogs headed to florida uh, this may be a dumb question coach because i've never pitched but i think connor when we talked to him at the beginning of the season he said he had five pitches that he was going to utilize this year when you've got a guy that can do a lot of different things, I mean, how, how does that conversation go? I'm just curious versus, like, maybe saying, hey, let's really focus on these three, try to perfect these, or is it good to have, you know, the, I guess, the uh, guessing game working with a hitter when you've got a lot of different pitches to go to there that, that look different? How do, you, how do you balance that with pitchers? I guess it probably is individualistic to some degree, but how do you work through that with guys? Well, I like, it's not a dumb question at all. I, I like to look at it like what, it, what would, if I was trying to prepare the, get to one of my pitchers if I was an offensive coach what would I do how would I try to narrow them down and if you have a three pitch mix guy where one of them's a strike you know 30 percent of the time you can really just narrow them down to two and then you can pick sides of the plate and you can get really specific on what to tell your hitters to hunt so when you have a guy like a Connor and you know even Jackson to a certain extent with, with four pitches and you know Hagan's got four four different pitches also you're, you're starting to make it hard to narrow them down so I like our guys to throw every, anything and everything as often as they can. Predictability is the easiest thing to, for an offense to prepare for. If you have something that's predictable, whether it's your fastball is always on this side of the plate or when you're ahead you always throw this, um, it's just really easy to prepare for. So if we can make our guys really tough to narrow down, then it's going to be very hard for them to be able to put together a good offensive approach against us. So when we have a guy like a Connor Nolan that can do – and his is more about manipulation in terms of, like, the actual number of pitches that he throws. 
the, t- the two different breaking balls are really are unique. It's a four-seam and a two-seam fastball that give them two different fastballs because they move way different than each other. One has a little bit of cut, one has, one has more sink. And then he's got a cutter that he can throw also, but he's been using like the four-seam more as a cutter recently. So it's just pitch manipulation. When you got guys with feel, like the last thing we want to do is narrow them down and take away some of the uniqueness of them by just saying, well, we're just going to concentrate on three pitches. Uh, if they can throw them for strikes, I want them to throw all of them all the time. Right. I know you have an approach going in. Do you guys chart in real time and then say, hey, look, he finished the last couple guys with the breaking ball. You know, Maybe we want to try to mix that up. Do you guys have those conversations during games? Absolutely. So our catchers call probably 95% of the pitches. That started with Casey Opitz last, the last three years with us. And you know, so Michael and Dylan are calling the game. So between every inning, we're going over what did we, what did we beat him with, what did we start him with, um, if there's any kind of patterning we're falling into, what can we do to get out of those patterns, what they're seeing behind the plate, what maybe I'm seeing from the side. So real time, we're going over as much as we possibly can um, in terms of making sure that the hitters aren't able to just see the same things over and over again. And, you know, we're like anybody. If something's really working, we're going to throw it a lot, uh, whatever it is. So there's, there's going to be times where you're seeing Connor throw a lot of breaking balls and thinking that's probably, you know, it's going to get predictable. But if, if we're manipulating that pitch or he's manipulating that pitch and he's taking a little off, adding a little, if you look at the velocities that he throws that thing with, he'll throw it between eight, like 79 and 85. So he's able to do a lot of different things with his breaking balls. So even though they're breaking balls, they're different breaking balls, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does. Yeah. But the way that, you know, we try to talk to our catchers is more about if we're getting into any kind of sequencing patterns, we'll do a, a pretty deep dive as the game's going on to try to, to try to make sure that we're, we're being as multiple as possible with our attack for every one of these hitters and giving our catchers information. Because in the heat of the battle, they're not always thinking 100% clearly, and we have to, that's where we have to step in as coaches. We're talking with Razorbacks pitching coach Matt Hobbs. Coach, do you spe- specialize in, in teaching a certain pitch? Is there one pitch you like better than another? I wish I could specialize in teaching people Brady Tiger's curveball or Kevin Copps' cutter. <laughs> I wish I could say I specialize in those things. Um, I don't think I specialize. I, no, not really. Like We're going to do everything we can with all of our guys and have them look into how unique they can be with their pitches and their mix, and then we'll try to sharpen up their stuff. But I don't, I don't think there's one pitch that, that I would say I'm a specialist in at all. Do you have, have you had people, other pitching coaches call you? Hey, can you tell us about Kevin Cop's pitch? Can you teach <laughs> me how to teach that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a very popular conversation last summer on the road recruiting in this fall is, you know, how did he throw it? What did he do? You know, you get the same thing with Brady's curveball. Like, what's he doing? How's he gripping it? How does he throw it? So, you know, I, again, I wish I could take a lot of credit for these two guys having just unbelievable breaking stuff, but that, that's really something that those guys have spent a lot of time working on honing their craft and making it important and you know it gets it, it gets better because they want it to get better not because of any you know magic pixie dust i'm spreading on them coach last thing we'll let you go and get on uh, get on your flight we've been talking about arms let's talk about the arms race quickly i haven't had a chance to tour the new facility but we were adjacent to it last night what, what's that meant for your guys as far as preparation and what do you think that'll do for you guys long term both in preparation and also recruiting oh man it helps out an incredible amount 
uh, with the preparation is the thing that I see every single day is how how our guys are able to utilize the facility and how not only is it high tech and state of the art, but it's just really convenient for them. They've got their nutrition center attached to their weight room, which is attached to the pitching development center. So it's also attached to the training room and their locker room. Everything's right there for them. So from a training perspective, it really gives them an opportunity to maximize their time when they're with us. So they're not having to you know, do their pitching work in one space and then, you know, go across the field to do their stuff in another space when we're doing our team stuff and then go to a different facility for the weight room and then have to go up on campus for the training room. It's just all right there for our guys. So from from a training perspective, it's, it's unbelievable. And then the recruiting part is when you walk through that building, it just blows you away with how nice everything is. And again, how this is just state-of-the-art stuff that's in this building. And, you know, I think that the Obviously, the, the generous donations of the Hunt family and others have led us to be able to, to train in a facility like this and be able to recruit to a facility like this. But, you know, the fan base and the things that they've done over the years to make it possible by filling up the stadium and making it make sense to build a building like that is, is, is just so incredible. So whenever you have, you know, generous donations of people and having an unbelievable fan base that supports come you know rain or shine supports us and then um it just gives us a real good opportunity to get our players better and i think that's what the players feel when they walk in there is it's about it's it's time to get better when they walk into that building and it's a really good place to go to work every day for sure coach coach death taxes and razorback series wins in sec play things we can count on <laughs> good luck getting another one down at florida I this weekend so. we appreciate the time yeah safe travels hey thanks Thank you guys very much. Greatly appreciate it. Take care. Thank you, Coach. All right, Matt Hobbs. Future head coach, Matt Hobbs. I mean, how impressive is that? Every time we have him on, I'm just like, this dude's awesome. Thank you, Lucky Stars, that you get him another year. He doesn't tell me my dumb questions are dumb. I love him. That's awesome. (laughs) 